0: We do have notes, uh, once again, and perhaps we'll stick to them. Perhaps we won't, but I will endeavor to. These notes are nearly identical to last week's notes, and um, you can use those to go dig a little deeper, if you like, or go preach it to somebody else. I've found over the years, as I was under the ministry of Dr. James Morocco, as he passed out notes in nearly every single message that he did, that I was able to collect a large stack. In fact, I've got volumes of messages that he preached during the years that I was underneath his ministry, as God was raising my wife and I up. That these messages, I don't, you know, I don't just do notes because I think it's cute or, or or popular. In fact, it's popular not to do notes. It's popular to have just some video presentation. And I think that can be wonderful as well, but we're flowing in this. I hope that you'll use them. Fill the notes in. Go preach it to somebody else. Go back over it, and uh, you'll find that the Word will get deeper down into your heart. That's where you need it. You don't just need head knowledge, people. You need revelation. You need God to plant it in your heart. You need to push it down into your spirit, and uh, it'll change your life. God is calling us to prepare a generation for the returning of the Lord. Now, don't get freaked out by that statement it's been true ever since He died on a cross and rose again from the grave. We should live with a constant awareness that He could come back really at any minute, any moment. This could be it. And you should plan like He's not coming in your lifetime but live like He's coming any second. So some of you need to repent right now. But we want to talk about a generation that is going to bring this transition and we read from Matthew 11 our main text Jesus highlighted some things here about John the Baptist's ministry that are pretty vital to where we are at John the Baptist really is a a model of being a man or a woman if you will who's spiritually violent the days of lukewarm apathetic religion are over God is calling people to go deeper deeper He's calling people to know Him more, to a greater degree, to walk in intimacy. Intimacy is producing fruitfulness in lives all around the world. John is an interesting guy. Camel hair was his clothing. He ate locusts. Anybody ever had a locust? I had dreams of locusts last night. Falling dead. It was really a sign from the Lord, I believe. I think during my dream I thought about eating one and decided not to. John the Baptist ate them as part of his fast. How many of you like to do that fast? Yeah, I'm going to fast food and eat locusts. Woo! I've had chocolate-covered ants. I've had chocolate-covered bees. I've never had a locust yet. But I suppose if it's prepared right, I'll try it. At any rate, John the Baptist lived a fasted lifestyle. He was fasted before the Lord and and, and, and not, not into the the things of the age. He was in the wilderness declaring, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And Jesus took note of him. And it's some interesting things that he says in Scriptures. This is, now this is a review really of last week. Let me talk about the, the text that we just read. Many preachers will preach, and you'll read in... in commentaries that John the Baptist had backslidden, basically, if I could put it simply. He had, he had begun to doubt that the Messiah was, that Jesus was the Messiah. Even though he baptized him, and a dove came, the Holy Spirit came like a dove and alighted on him. Even though he, he, he prophesied, this is the one who will baptize you with fire. I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he will baptize you with fire. So now he's in prison. He's in prison, in Herod's prison, and it's been taught for years that he's got isolated, he's gotten weird. Proverbs 18 says, a man who isolates himself rages against all wisdom. It's very true. If you get isolated, you're going to get weird. You're not a part of a church, you're going to get weird. You're not, you don't have healthy relationships with people keeping you accountable, you're going to get weird. That's absolutely true. You can get thinking strange. But Jesus said some things about John the Baptist that that really refute or vindicate John from being somebody who backslid because he was isolated. So this section that we read, John the Baptist sends two of his disciples. They come to Jesus. They say, hey, are are you the one? John sent us. We're his disciples. We want to know, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that he spoke about? Or, or, or we, should we look for somebody else? And the response of our hero, Jesus, is he quotes Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6, and Isaiah 61, he says, Tell John the things that you hear, quote, The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. That's Isaiah 35, verse 5 and 6. The dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, Isaiah 61, verse 1. He quotes the very scriptures that John the Baptist shared with his people. And then he says this encrypted parable, which I just think they have no idea what it meant. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Has anybody ever been offended at God? I have. I have been offended. And there's really two reasons people get offended at God, and these are worth writing down and they're not in your notes two reasons people get offended at God. The first reason is they don't they, that He doesn't do what they wanted them to do. He doesn't do what the prophet said that he, that he was going to do, like they thought that He would do it. No, I'm telling you, you can stand before a time-tested prophet, he tells you the way that God's going to do it, and God does it differently, and people get offended. You say, what about the prophetic word? I don't know, God uses all things. The second reason people get offended is they get offended because he doesn't do stuff. So they get offended, one, because, he, because he, he doesn't do what they thought he was supposed to do. And then they get offended because he doesn't do anything at all in a particular instance. And in this instance, John the Baptist was going to lose his head. He was going to be martyred, and mind you, he's the last Old Testament prophet. Stephen was the first martyr in the New Testament, but here John the Baptist, he's the, he's the last martyr in the Old. Unless you look at Jesus and he would be the one that transitioned, but he's the Messiah, so I, I don't know if he really counts. He's the New Testament prophet, he's a, the Old Testament prophet. At any rate, John was going to lose his head, and I think Jesus shared with them, Blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Why would he do that? Because he wasn't going to rescue John, he wasn't going to save him, he wasn't going to deliver him, although he could have easily done it. God could have easily caused Herod's palace to crumble. He could have had an angel show up and deliver him. He wasn't going to do any of that. And so Jesus is before these multitudes, and you see this in verses 7, 8, and 9, and we didn't read that, but we'll look at it now. Jesus is before the multitude, and three times he vindicates him, and he says to the crowd, Verse 7, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. The slightest wind moves a reed. Think of a blade of grass. It's a reed, really. The slightest breeze moves a blade of grass. So he says to the crowd, John's not backslidden. John's not lost his mind. He said, did you go out to see in the wilderness somebody who was afraid? In application for tonight, God is raising up a, a generation of those unlike the John the Baptist. God is raising up a generation of people who are hungry and thirsty for God. God is raising up a generation. John came on the scene and marked the, the, the appearance of John and the display of the voice of the wilderness. Talked about in Malachi and in Isaiah. The, his very showing up of the scene and the planet indicated that there was a change in time indicated that there was now one called Jesus or Emmanuel, God with us, that God would step out of time and space and come into the earth, very significant. It's two times Jesus comes to the planet, not talking about theophanies, but literally coming. Theophanies, a visible manifestation of God, not talking about that. I'm talking about literally coming in the flesh, two times. One is called the first advent when Jesus comes and John the Baptist is a forerunner and proclaims that he's coming and baptizes him. That's the first time. The second time he comes, he's going to part the eastern sky. And he's going to ride on out of heaven on a, on a white stallion with King of Kings and Lord of Lords on his thigh. And it's going to be the end. That is, the, that, is the, that is when he rides out and it's over. Everything changes. The millennial reign. And in both occasions, God will raise up a generation. God raised up a John the Baptist, and now what God is going to do, He's going to raise up a generation that'll transition to the day of the Lord. Now I don't know if that if we're the last generation, I think we are. Either way, it is your last generation, it's mine because you're gonna die, right? Okay, good. And so God is gonna raise up people who are not afraid. God is gonna raise up people. What did you go out to see with John or Reed? God is going to raise up like those in the spirit of Elijah. Those who are not moved by the opinions of man. Those who are not manipulated by the fear of man. Those who are not afraid of the message. And I will tell you, there's going to come an hour and come a day in history when we're going to proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and it's not going to be popular with the government. It's not going to be popular with people. But we're not in it for popularity. We're in it for truth. We're in it to win it. We are really a generation that needs to declare the truth of the Word of God no matter what comes. So John the Baptist is defended by Jesus, I believe, here. What did you go out to see? A coward. He wasn't afraid of Howard. Howard. He wasn't afraid of Herod. I'm sure he wasn't afraid of Howard either. I know you probably didn't know him. Last week we talked about a a young girl who's shy. And she's pushing her only baby in, in the supermarket. She's so shy she can hardly buy something in the store. Won't lift her eyes to look at the cashier. She's terrified of talking to anybody. I mean, she's really introverted and shy, and she has her precious little baby. And she's pushing the baby, let's say, across the parking lot. And some freak comes up and grabs the baby carriage, the stroller, and runs for everything he's got. Can I tell you what happened to that cute little shy girl? She ain't cute, and she ain't shy anymore. She hunted the boy down and couched his eyes out, right? Why? Because the revelation is bigger than whatever issue she had on had about shyness and fear of man. And when God becomes big and strong in your life. When the love of God overwhelms you to the point when you just don't really give a flip about what anybody thinks, you're going, to, you're going to rush an altar or you're going to witness, you're going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. When you encounter God in such a way that that revelation is bigger than whatever fear you have, it will, you'll just do it afraid, as Joyce Meyer says. Because there's something bigger than whatever little thing might want to try to hold you back. John was not a reed. And God is raising up a people that are not reeds. God's raising up a people who are not afraid of man. And who will stand uncompromisingly with the truth of the gospel. He said, Jesus goes on in verse 8, What did you go see? A man clothed in soft garments. Those who wear clothes, soft clothing, now this is a review from last week, those who wear, wear soft clothings are not in dungeons. <laughs> Did you go out to see a, a pop star? Did you go out to see somebody who was famous? And He was famous, John was for sure, but not because of Hollywood. He was famous not because of the clothes he wore. God's raising up a generation who will not be moved by the things of the world. Not be moved by a celebrity. So so Jesus vindicating John says, No, I mean, you didn't go see go out to see somebody who was terrified in a reed. You went out to see not somebody who had soft clothes on. And then he goes on to say in verse nine, What did you go out to see? A prophet? And he says, Yes, more than a prophet. Now prophets are exciting. The message they bring is a dimension of power. I just love when God reads my mail and just freaks me out. It's never old. It's never old. They're like, whoa, he's God. Yeah, I know. Yeah, whoo. And you just go, whoa, he's God. Because only God could know that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes, especially in the office of prophet, it's not a real popular message that comes. So as Jesus said of John, you were willing for a time to listen to him. But then they stopped their ears. It's a unique time frame that John the Baptist comes. Look at verse 10 of Matthew 11. This was He of whom it is written, I send my messenger before you, your face will prepare a way before you. That's Malachi 3. Can you imagine? A messenger. A messenger of God. That's who John was. Both times both Advents, at the, return of, at, at, the, at the coming of Jesus, the first time, John, and the second time, the last generation, both times God will raise up people like unto John the Baptist. We're not moved. They're, they're filled with courage because of the fear of the Lord and a greater revelation that whatever whatever might come, by overwhelm them, maybe even death. They'll love their lives not so much as to shrink from death, but the revelation of Jesus. Is worthy. He's worthy of everything. He'll raise up people that are not moved by by the newest fashion or by the coolest thing or the opinions of somebody else or the accolades of man or the crown or the ring or the robe. He's raising up a generation that's not come for the applause of man, that's not come for the ring or the robe of favor of man. He's raising up a generation that will not compromise. It will stand in holiness and truth. Wow, what an encouraging word, Pastor! Hallelujah! Once you turn to the person on your right and the person on your left, and say, Oh, this is this is fun." Okay, great. I'm glad you guys are encouraged. Both times at the coming of the Lord, He raises up a generation like unto the John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the earth, to prepare the planet, to prepare a people who are ready for the coming of the Lord. Uh-huh. Prepare ye the way. Of the Lord. Prepare ye the way. Of the Lord. Bet you don't know where that comes from. Godspell. Jesus goes on to say. You're like God what? Anyway Jesus goes on to say in verse 11. How many of you ever heard of Godspell? I'm not endorsing the whole thing but. It is powerful in many parts. In verse 11, he says, Among those born of women, there is not one risen greater than John. He's not saying that John the Baptist is backslidden. He's saying John is fulfilling his role and that he was the greatest one. So John the Baptist stood and he didn't backslide. John in, in, in John 5, verse 35, turn there quickly. Hurry up. Take your time. John 5.35 reads, He was a burning, shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in His light. A burning, shining lamp. Wow. That's how He was defined. And you were willing for a time to rejoice in His light talking to Israel, but there came a time when they didn't rejoice, and that's why He's in prison. I'm going to tell you, the goal of ministry, listen, the goal of ministry, the purpose of the anointing, is not so that you can get popular. The purpose of the anointing is not so that you can develop some big mega church. The purpose of the anointing is not so that you can have this massive mail list so that you can go preach somewhere. I'm just telling you some of the thoughts that that my peers have. It's not about going and having a conference. It's not about building this mega church. The purpose of the anointing... It's really three things. Turn to Luke's, Luke chapter one. greatest test for every minister, anointed minister, and what I mean by that is every one of you should be anointed, and every one of you should be a minister. marketplace ministry, full-time ministry, in the church, in politics, in the school, and for every one of you ought to see yourself as somebody who's been ordained by God, and every day that you get up, you should say, man, God lives on the inside of me, and when you head off to school, or you head off to work, or you go back to the slope, or you go back to your construction job, your, your, your God's on the inside of your tent, and you're just going to stand up and declare the goodness of God, stand and declare the word of the Lord and you're going to see life and death and, and people choose God. Every one of us are called to be ministers. Wherever you are, quit the secular mindset and, and, then, the, and then the church mindset. Well, I go to church but now I'm, now I'm not going to church now. I go to church Sunday. <laughs> you know I mean? No, let me know your whole life is to be under the Lord. Come on, work unto the Lord so ever, ever the test for all of us as the anointing rests on us is that people will like you, but there comes a time when people don't like you Are you're going to compromise. I'm telling you, homosexuality is a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. These are sins, and we love the sinner, but sin is sin, people. Hello? And there's people that are getting in trouble for that, and if that ever comes our way, we're well, going to still stand and declare the word of the Lord. And I'll tell you how you how you how you stay out of trouble. Don't declare it, but then you'll be in trouble later before your heavenly Father. So, which is more important to you? Are you there, Luke one? Whose eyes are you living before? Who are you living for? Ah! Who are you living for? Whose eyes are you living for? Are you living for your friends? Are you living for popularity? Are you living for money? Are you living before the God of heaven who sees everything that you and I do? Every single thing. And He's a loving God. He's a loving God, but He's looking for people who will be burning, shining lamps in this generation. And He's coming back for a church that's on fire. Not for a lukewarm, apathetic church. He's not coming for a church that's half-holy. He's coming for a church that really loves Him with complete abandon. And I want to tell you, there is no greater joy than going deep in God. Surely your flesh won't like it. But there comes a place where that really is the least of it. And you'll always have to deal with your flesh until it's over. Luke 1, verse 15. Turn there. So he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. This is the Nazarite anointing found in number 6. I had some people ask me about this. And he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the angel talking to Zechariah. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the Spirit. That means in the same purpose. The Spirit of Elijah. The Spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, number one. The disobedient to the wisdom of the just, number two. And number three, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Uh, really, there's three things the anointing is for. It's to turn the hearts back to God. It's to turn the hearts back to our Heavenly Father. The anointing is for that. It is also to cause people to live in obedience unto God and to find the joy. There's wisdom. There's wisdom in denying your flesh. There's wisdom in tithing. There's wisdom in giving. There's wisdom in prayer. There's wisdom in living for God. And the world doesn't always, won't see it. Don't expect somebody to kind of pat you on the back for doing it, but there will come a mighty pat on the back in that great day when the Lord says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. just touch on this because I don't any confusion to be here about this Nazarite thing. I had some people ask me questions about it. It comes from Numbers 6. And really we're not supposed to be so legalistic. The essence of it is this. That you will deny some things that are very that are, that are acceptable by society. And maybe even allowable. But you'll deny them for the sake of going deep in God. We're talking about the spirit of it. Not so much a legalistic thing where you just don't get to do anything. Now, granted, you know it says you'll deny. Drink. I don't. You know, drinking, having a glass of wine is not going to take you to hell, people. Unless you, it's unless you're getting drunk, and then it's wrong. Now, we here, we, I I don't drink at all, simply because I don't want anybody to stumble, and I never want to put myself, my wife, my family. I never want to put ourselves in a position where we could possibly get messed up. I don't want to stumble anybody, and I don't ever want to put myself in a position. I mean, I'm 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 a good portion Irish. I know my genes. They're a bunch of pub people. They like going to the pubs. Oh, I might have some genes in there that click off with one glass of wine or a a glass of beer. Well, maybe I wouldn't get drunk, but it might just click something and pull me in deeper. I don't want anything to mess me up on what God's called me to do. I want to be a part of the end-time generation that ushers in the presence of the Lord, ushers in the second coming of Christ. I do. I might be 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 when it happens. You say, I thought Jesus was coming in 2012. I don't know, maybe. Maybe not. If you're betting on the rapture, hope your theology's right. You'd be seriously stinking disappointed and maybe offended at God if He doesn't suck you on off the planet and you've got to go through some suffering. Okay, I'm going to go encourage myself. Praise God. That's a good word right there, Pastor. I don't want to be offended. I just want to love Him every day. I'm not going to just bet on being sucked off the planet. Maranatha, God. Oh, God. Look, he's, he's left you here so you can live in victory for the love of Jesus. He's left you here so you can be a display, a burning, shining light. Somebody who's a dispenser of the glory of God. He's left you here so that you can be like unto John the Baptist in the spirit of and the power of Elijah. I'm kind of fired up tonight. You might be able to tell. I'm fired up tonight. This is where the Lord has gotten me on the fast. I kind of hate fasting, but like one of our dear brothers says, I hate fasting, but I love what it does for me. I'm not even fasting that good. I don't know how you guys are doing. I'm just kind of like, Jesus, help me. I feel weak. I'm, you know, Jesus, help me. Oh, I know you guys are just all over it. Praise the Lord. (laughs) The question is, how much power will God give us to live in complete abandonment for Him? You want to be used to set the captives free? Let me teach you a trick. Teach you a, a key from Scripture. Get real close to God. Get real close. As close as you can hunger for him. See how close you can come and be like him. See how much power he'll give you to walk like Jesus walked. And greater works will you do than these. Literally when you do that, when you show up, Jesus is showing up along with you and the power of God will be displayed. If you just hunger for miracles, then you you know, you, you could be missing it. Miracles or signs, signs and wonders point to Jesus for the purpose of turning hearts. For the purpose of causing people to live in uh, obedience to Him. Because it's wise. Because He requires it. Because He's worthy. And thirdly, I forgot, let me look. Oh yeah, to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. So a Nazarite is not so much, you know, letting your hair grow and resisting these different things. But it's, it's an attitude of your heart. Now, turn to Amos, and then we'll get into some new stuff. Amos. Some of you are like, Where's that? It's in the New Testament right after John. <laughs> just kidding. You know, uh, the Bible's like any, any other book uh, in that it has a table of contents. <laughs> so you can just look in the table of contents, and you can find it right in there Amos. Amos 2, verse 11. God saying to Israel, I also raised up prophets from among your children and Nazarites from your youths. Is that not true, people of Israel? And the people of Israel couldn't help but say, Absolutely, yeah, you did that. Yep, you raised up prophets. Yep, there are those Nazarites from among our youth, declares the Lord. But you made Nazarites drink wine and commanded prophets not to prophesy. One of the things that's happening in this age is that people are being called to a Nazarite call, a, uh, a devotion unto God that has not been seen in past generations. And then you have a generation like unto Amos' generation that are trying to talk them out of it. Listen, don't be so aggressive. You could eat a little bit more food. Chill out. Have balance. Proverbs 11, the scales out of balance, there is an abhorrence to the Lord. You should do snow machining and go to church. You don't have to go to church on Sunday. I mean, come on, have some balance now. Now, I know there's legalism, and if you're legalistic, then you need to repent. But there is a place of devotion. And i tell you what happened to my wife and I. I didn't really understand it even till, even till now, Karen. But when we came to the Lord, we got so touched by God. That we just dropped everything. And I was into surfing. I mean, I was a surfer, and, and I was just into hiking. We were into all kinds of stuff. And I'm not saying that you should do this, but I'm just telling you what happened for us. God touched us in such a way that it was better than any wave I ever caught. that it was better than anything I've ever experienced. So anytime there's an opportunity to lift my hands in the presence of the Lord with the congregation and pray and worship and have visions and dreams and, and to get bondages broken off of me, I'm all down for that more than, there, than I am snow snowmachining. You understand? I'm not saying anything bad about snowmachining. I'm just saying that when you, when you get hungry for God, He transforms your life. Now, we had a lot of transforming we had to go through. I'm just going to take a breath on that one. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sure we have a lot more to go. But there is a generation that's getting on fire. and John the Baptist is like a model like that. If you could see across the nations what is happening with the youth, it would blow your mind. I'm telling you, radical, radical, radical faith. Not, not caring whether they're martyred, not caring whether people like them. And even even some of them growing their hair out saying they're Nazarites. Radical, praying, four, five, six, seven, eight hours a day going on 40-day fast. I mean like radical, radical abandonment unto God. And I told the youth last Tuesday, I said, y'all are living life looking through a straw. You look at Alaska, it's like looking, It's it's a myopic view. You just, Come on, go like this. Close your eye. Go on, come on, you can do it. Put your hand up like this. Now, can you see outside of that straw or that tube? Can you see in your no, you can't. The whole world is coming under the power of God, but often in, t- in places like Alaska, different places. Now there's pockets of youth getting on fire pockets of a generation getting under like John the Baptist radical. But oftentimes they look around and you know it's like what is it Eagle River jeans or whatever the cool things are American Eagle, it's close. I said to my daughter we we got to repair those for Christmas and uh, and so she was wearing them. I said oh are those your eagle you're, I was teasing. I said oh are those your Eagle River jeans? She says no dad they're my Chugach ones. I said oh praise the Lord. Don't try to talk somebody out of radical dedication. Now I might be only speaking, there only might be four or five people that will catch the spirit of what I'm saying, but God is causing a generation to be really hungry, radical. You won't be necessarily popular with people, but you'll be popular with God. And His power will come upon you. And you will be a a person that brings change. And perhaps it is that God is going to use us in radical ways to even usher in the coming of the Lord. And we should think that way anyway. Never mind the sign of the times which are everywhere. We stand literally on the precipice of when God could roll up time like a scroll and it could be all over. Are you ready for that? This could be the night that He returns. Are you ready? That should almost sound like an evangelist. But I mean it. Alright. right. Jesus introduced two new ideas. And... The two new ideas, verse 12 I want you to read. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The two new ideas is if you have greater dedication, there's greater power. Now many people don't like that because they think, well, then it's earned. It's not earned. God loves everybody the same, but He has intimate ones. And your dedication and your commitment unto the Lord will release either greater power in your life or or the lack thereof. How hungry are you to see your marriage changed? How hungry are you to see your school transformed? How hungry are you to see the power of God manifested? And it's not that we earn it. We're trying to twist God's arm. But there is a principle of spiritual violence. And and we don't use the word suffer too often. But it means to permit or to allow or to reward. There is greater power available for us here in the New Testament. The Old Testament, the Spirit came on prophets, kings, judges. He anointed them for specific tasks. Not so in the New Testament. Every single person here. Could get an anointing. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you and me. You say, "Well, I don't feel like it." That has nothing to do with it. He said, "Well, how come I don't experience that in my life? How hungry are you? God's not obligated to. Uh, God is not obligated to release fresh fire to you. He spoke in parables to release truth to those who are hungry, not casual observers." spiritual violence really points to paying any price necessary in seeking God for more. It's not legalism. It's a deep hunger and a desire for God. The Lord is baptizing people in hunger. He's the answer to every single need you have, Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He'll add all things. It's violent because it confronts your sin nature. It's violent because it confronts your and my pride. It's violent because it confronts us of things we don't really want to be confronted with. It disrupts the status quo. You ever been around somebody who's really on fire? Just one talks about Jesus all the time? John Harkey who's coming, he was like that. He used to irritate me so much. I mean, I was... You know relatively on fire I was going after god. He was like a freak He'd come up and go hey, what are you doing? I mean, We, we came up the same time in the same church. He'll be here two weekends for now Not next week with the weekend after tremendous prophet travels the world. Don't miss his meetings some, pop, some last night I talked to him today last night Somebody just popped right out of a wheelchair and began walking around they had, and they it was one of those One of those driving ones and they had to pack it up and they put it in the car They're going to sell it on craigslist. The lady got healed and he's weeping, talking to me on the phone. Oh, I've never seen the love of God poured out like it is now. Oh, Pastor Daniel. I said, come on, man. Hurry up. Get up here. So he's coming. John the Baptist. Uh, John John, John the Baptist. John the Harky. John the Harky. He was crazy. He, he would come up to me and say, what are you doing right now? I'd be like, I don't know. What are you doing? He says, I'm going to go do some prophetic acts, man. He would go and like get the word of the Lord and then just be like lie on his side, you know? And he'd be like shandai and he'd roll over on the other side and then he'd have a word for it, you know? I mean, he was I thought he was crazy and you know, you know somewhere in between that sort of fruitcake thing. You know, there could be spiritual nut jobs. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the only difference between the spiritual nut job and John Harkey was he probably was like a, a little spiritually nuts. But he was so sincere in his heart before God, and God knew that, and God anointed him. And now when he does a prophetic act, it actually comes to pass. And many of you have been touched powerfully by his ministry. And so he was sincere in his heart before the Lord. Jesus Jesus connected spiritual violence with John the Baptist. The measure of John's greatness was not in the number of people he impacted. I'm not going to go much longer. But So oftentimes, let me just tell you about my, my world, so oftentimes pastors relate themselves or their identity is tied to the size of the church that they have or the impact that they're having in the nation. And I certainly have been guilty of that. And I will tell you that it is a painful row to hoe. And it's not God. Now, we want to make an impact. We want to see Reformation, revival. How many of you want to see your whole family saved? Amen. How many of you want to go deeper in God? That's 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 part of our DNA in God. But you think about John the Baptist. He lost his head. If you just took a snapshot of the ministry, the one-two apostolic prophetic ministry, or should say prophetic apostolic ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus. Okay, John is the, the, the prophet, the voice, content to be a voice, not looking for accolades, not looking for anything, but to obey God. Living before the audience of one. Living before the eyes of His Heavenly Father. Obeying God. John the Baptist, the prophet. Jesus, really the, the apostle Jesus, He comes, it's the prophetic and the apostolic, and what does that produce? It produces a prayer meeting of 120 people. Now, if you just took a look at that, and just said, two lives, one guy died, okay, he got up again. The other guy lost his head. And they have a one meeting where there's 120 people. And at certain moments you could look and and many disciples left. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. And many left him. And his disciples stayed. And he said, would you leave? And they said, no, you alone have the words of eternal life. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, Peter, flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father which art in heaven. 120 was the outcome of their ministry at that snapshot. We know the rest of the story. 120 used as a seed it will even bring about the fullness of the age of the Gentiles and the salvation of all of Israel. Wow. Don't you measure your life by where you are right now. Don't you measure your ministry on whether you had a bunch of people touched or a bunch of people saved or you've got a lot of money or little money. Don't you measure where you are in God based upon what you see right now. Because God can come to you and He even comes to you tonight and he points to you and says thou mighty man of valor Gideon Gideon was hiding chicken liver Gideon You talking to me he he's hiding Gideon was hiding in the wine press mighty man of valor he's hiding he's afraid He's terrified. God pointed his finger at him. There's an angel of the Lord and spoke to him and says, you know, mighty man of valor, you're going to be the deliverer. God defines you by the cry of your heart. And if you will continue to cry out, you will continue to hunger and thirst. you continue to long for Him in fasting and praying and giving and diligence no matter how weak you are. No matter how... How short you might fall if you keep getting up and taking step after step after step after step. God will put you in a place that is, blow your mind years from now. And it could be a month from now. Micah, would you come please? you got to contend for the fullness of what God has. Watch out that you don't believe some lie about where you're supposed to be in God. Raise the bar. Our youth group is shrinking at a phenomenal rate. You know why it's shrinking? Because we set a standard. We're saying, this is it right here. And we're going for it. And we're going to make leaders and we're going to pour into them. And our folks are like, that's a little bit too much for me. That's okay. Because even if it withers down to five kids... We have five kids that we're going to disciple to be world changers and generals in the army of God And they're going to multiply themselves five will become ten ten will become twenty and we'll be We just got to hold the standard And let God come And bring the increase All right, I told pastor vince I was going to preach on this so I got to skip over some stuff and get right to it. All right Matthew 11, look at verse 16. I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff. Oh, that's good right there, too. Oh, Shonda. Oh, I've got to say this, and then I'll read Matthew 11. Never let go of a vision of being mighty in the Spirit. Never, ever let go of a vision of being mighty in God. Lamentations 3 The Lord's mercy through the Lord's mercy we are not concerned because of His because His companion compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. You could start your new life in seeking God today. Today's a new day. All right, eleven, Matthew eleven, verse sixteen. To what should I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying. We played a flute. We played the flute. Everybody say the flute. For you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. The flute is a picture of really a wedding. We are living in a paradox of two things happening at once. A wooing and a drawing of the love of God. And at the same time, understand what comes. Judgment and blessing are both in the hand of God. And when He calls, it's a wedding song, and the bride of Christ, we're, we're being wooed to Him. But there is also a dirge. There are judgments that will be released. Some believe that even through the prayers of the church, it's a great paradox of where we are. Where this this preparation of this awesome wedding, the flute, where there's dancing and rejoicing, and there's also a dirge, a song of mourning, because there's going to be some that don't go in, and the judgments of the Lord will be released in the earth. I close with this thought: whose eyes? Whose eyes are you living before? Whose eyes are you living before? Day in, day out. Is it the opinions of people that move you? Is it money? Can you be paid off? Can you be bought? If you have a price that you can be paid for to sell out, there's a name for that. Name for that where I come from. Somebody that can be paid. Whose eyes are you living for? Don't worry about the outcome. Just be a people that are spiritually vital. Hunger and thirst for God. And I believe that we could be the generation that transitions to the coming of the day of the Lord. And either way, we're going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. We're going to turn hearts. Somebody say amen. We're going to live in 100% obedience. Teach people the wisdom of the just, and we're going to prepare the way of the Lord. Somebody say Amen. Stand up on your feet, won't you? i got to just share just one more point. That in doing that, you might find yourself suffering reproach. Not everybody's going to like you. You'll have religious people that just think you've lost your mind. Matthew eleven eighteen. 18. Jesus, John came, neither eating or drinking. He says he has a demon. The Son of Man came, eating and drinking. They say he... Look, he's a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. Wisdom is justified by what it produces. Be a people that live before the audience of one. Be somebody who lives before the eyes of the one who we must give an account. The loving, heavenly Father. power of the Spirit of God. Love Jesus with all of your heart. He's what you're looking for. Anyway, you trying to satisfy it another way, it will always come up short. Give him your own. If you believe that God has called you even over these next few years, and I'm not talking about a 90-day commitment, gonna say, man, I'm, I'm turning on the gas. I'm putting on the gas. I'm going to go for God with all my heart. I'm not putting just a couple a couple months on it. I'm committing my life to love Jesus no matter what, to live for Him and never look back. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be a, a lover of God, and I'm going to love men, and I'm going to deny myself, and I'm going to pick up my cross. I'm going to live in complete abandon. I'm going to seek God for how much power He's going to release into my life to love Him more. If you feel like that's you're supposed to be part of that generation, come to the front Church, you're coming before God tonight. You're coming before God and you're saying, yep, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go all the way. Lord, help me. I know we're weak. We're all weak. Jesus, help us. We're all weak. We all struggle. But in our weakness, He, he helps us. In our weakness, He helps us. And He'll give us strength.
1: It's wisdom to serve us.
0: Just seek Him for a moment. Come on, seek Him. Whose eyes are you living before? If you're living before another's eyes, then just repent and change. So that when He comes, the day of His appearance, Spirit, that we will open a school next fall. It's in this spirit that we will open a school to train and release and to raise up people, to raise up a house of prayer, to raise up pastors, evangelists, and teachers. It's time. If you've got a song, it's time to sing it. If you've got a gift, it's time to use it. I mean, come on. can't get enough. He can't OD on His presence. And the truth is that history books are waiting to be written about a people who would really seek Him. In word and in deed. Come on, let's sing it again. of teaching that is resident within you and you have longed really for release of that gift and there has been uh, times where it has come forth but I I declare to you the word of the Lord is that the season that is now ahead of you is brighter and bigger than anything you've known. Now I'm going to put a seal in the, ha- in the house of the Lord within your heart and I'm going to cause that seal even to pour out over your family and I'm going to raise you up oh hallelujah I'm going to raise you up says God it's time all that you've been all that you've gone through even for this day that you're living in now so don't despise the day of small things you've put your hand on the plow and you've kept your heart from offense but the lord says now i'm going to use you in a miraculous way it will boggle the minds of those that know you and it'll be because you're just broken and hungry and available and teachable and as you do that god says i'm going to raise up people underneath you powerful teaching anointing that's upon your life. I just release that word in Jesus' name. You receive it. Amen. Praise God. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Come on, just one more time. Lift your voice in Lord, before you I stand and I declare that I will live for you with greater and greater abandon as you strengthen me with your spirit. And as I position myself to know you more, to grow in the knowledge of God, I will not look back, but I look to you, the author and the finisher, of my faith I leave the results with you but I will be good faithful and loyal I will be a servant help me by your spirit oh. I felt a wave right there I just like the Lord said Amen
1: He heard you Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Woo! Glory out of God. Sakala Mahaya.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Take someone by the hand, won't you? Just right where you are, take someone by the hand. My goodness. Hey, hey. Let's pray for each other. Pray for the person on your right, person on your left. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've done tonight. Thank
1: you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word that's gone forth. And we thank you, God, that you're giving us grace and strength to love you rightly. Lord, touch your people tonight. Bless them as they go. God, bring them back this week and help us. Lord, as we walk into our community, into our everyday lives to be burning, shining lamps for you. And we thank you. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Raise up John the Baptist.
0: A people for the coming of the day of the Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord.